Magic the Gathering is a difficult game, made even more so by the fact that you can talk to a longtime player and still walk away having no idea what they said. We're here to keep you up to date on Magic news and format changes just like your favorite FNM and boss would. Except you don't have to smile and nod when they talk about... Tin Fins. I'm Kyle, a tournament grinder and general modern enthusiast. I'm Anthony, a tournament grinder, FNM and boss, and lover of standard in spite of how much it loves to hurt me. And, and we're, we're the, the Goblin, Goblin Trash Masters. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Trash Masters podcast. My name is Kyle. I am joined by my partner in crime, Anthony. Say hello. Hi, everybody. So before we get into our first segment, you and I uh, were correct, at least for now, on a couple of our picks from the new set. Apparently, Mercurial Spell Dancer is pretty good in Legacy. People have already been playing with it and... Uh, yeah, it turns out Mycosynth Garden is really busted an amulet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, look at us. We're, <laughs> we're, we're pretty decent at evaluating some cards. We might be wrong with the other ones, but hey, we got, we got a couple right. But for our main segment tonight, would you like to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, our main segment tonight is going to be on, I'd like to say, the magic player archetype. But I'll just go ahead and say the human being archetype of mm-hmm. what I call the asshole savant. Uh, <laughs> I feel like as we go through this, uh, the listener will be able to say, oh, I know, I know, I know this person. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to kind of cover that because like most insular groups and especially insular nerd culture groups, this type of person kind of, can can take up a lot of space and is is usually requires some way to address them Mm -hmm. so we're just going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some things like how would i define an asshole savant what's the nature of this person and how do they relate to magic specifically we are magic focused so we are going to really try and relate this specifically to magic whenever possible and Mm -hmm. give some examples Mm -hmm. so when I say the asshole savant, I'm generally referring to the nature that as someone appears to be more skillful in a specific circle, they can become more unpleasant to deal with. Now, if you imagine the graph, there's a kind of nice little line, diagonal line moving upwards that as somebody gets more skillful, the amount that people are willing to put up with Mm -hmm. increases, right? A good way to conjure an example for this type of player, I think for me, comes from media. I want you to think like House from House MD, BBC's Sherlock, Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. These are characters that behave in selfish and condescending ways but their behavior has just has to be excused kyle it has to it has to be excused because they're just they're just too darn good at what they do they're just so smart they're They're so good they're just so (laughs) smart and thin i don't yeah what are you what are you gonna do sure house limps around and commits medical crimes all day but he saves people kyle but he saves people he's so he's such a great doctor he's such a great he's such a great sherlock holmes 
type character. Uh, he's such a good uh, detective. You know, he solves crimes. You know, like R- Rick Sanchez. He he's so smart. He turned himself into a pickle. Who cares if he's like oh, a complete yeah. asshole and a horrible person? Yeah, he turned himself into a pickle to avoid going to therapy. Mm-hmm. But come on, that dude turned but himself he's into so a smart. pickle. He's so smart. He's so smart. He's so smart. And it turns out the guy who voices Rick Sanchez is also an asshole. But mm. you know. Comes up spicy later. topic <laughs> Come, comes up later comes up later actually <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> yeah these are people or characters that feel that their experience and their success in a given field means that they're owed a greater amount of deference than those that haven't achieved that level of success now the thing about the asshole savant is that the first word the operative word here is asshole is asshole they yeah. don't they don't need to be that good in order to kind of have this they just mm-hmm. kind of need to be better than better than the mean of their group you know mm-hmm. and they oftentimes feel that they're owed this deference because they're given more deference i'm going to relate it back to basketball too like mm-hmm. kyrie irving very very good basketball player asshole just just an <laughs> asshole he did a bunch yeah. of anti-semitic shit and yeah. then double down on it and like post into post into Twitter and Instagram, quoting Hitler and stuff like that. There's an amount of deference that was shown to him that would not be shown to other players that were less skilled. Mm-hmm. And this could be like a chicken and egg thing, right? Yeah, it might yeah. be, oh, they're shown that deference because they're so skilled. And because they're shown that deference, they expect that deference or... It could be mm-hmm. they expect it, and then therefore, because they're skilled, they're shown it. Mm-hmm. It could go either way on that one, and it's and it, it goes with like you know they they've been told that too as well. Mm-hmm. Like we putting back to the professional athlete or basketball, any professional sport of like the big four, there it's it's about who they're around. Like the people, society tell them like, oh, they're really good at that, so we'll we'll give them a pass. And it's the same thing with magic players too. Mm-hmm. Like bringing it back to what we're talking about. You know, their friends be like, yeah, they're an asshole, but they're really good at magic and kind of get using that as, a, mm-hmm. as an excuse. Yes, because in magic, you're encouraged to interact with the more skilled mm-hmm. players as much as you can. Interacting yeah. with more skilled players makes you better at magic. We've discussed mm-hmm. this, right? Yeah. And it, it brings up a good point. I, I genuinely believe that Magic the Gathering is closer to organized sports than it is to other aspects of nerd culture. Yes. Uh, especially if you're talking competitive magic if you're talking Mm -hmm. like participating in rcqs uh rcs grand prix seg con stuff like that these main events the 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 gp in air quotes because who knows what's happening with that that sort of thing feels to me closer to organized sports than it does to D &D or a Mm -hmm. comic con type thing right yeah it's closer to like, uh, you know, because esports has really become kind of that like mm-hmm. it's kind of sports, but it's not. But it's the same thing. It's like, you know, in quotations, athletes, you know, things, things along those lines. But we're still competitors playing a game. Yes. You know, it's not an athletic game, but it's still a game. It's it's and we have personalities mm-hmm. like, you know, professional sports does. And and there are there are personalities that are just net positive. There are personalities mm-hmm. that are you know, in my opinion, negatives. Yeah. But they, they exist. They're there. Mm. I think it's, I think it's really funny because back in high school, I played a lot of sports Mm -hmm. and I also did chess. Oh, wow. And I also did 
like I, I, I basically lived at my high school. I did not ever want to go home for a while. I participated in their like AV club or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can genuinely tell you that chess was way closer to rugby than it was to AV. Yeah. And there's something inherent about the competition that kind of mm-hmm. tilts things towards towards sports because sports are kind of a generally culturally understood type of competition that everyone yes. is expected to be mm-hmm. willing to engage in, whether yeah. you're playing, you know, professionally at a, in a rec league or just playing some pickup mm-hmm. games outside. It's pretty normal to engage in those things, and it's pretty normal to try to win. That said. Magic still definitely has nerd culture stink all over it. And all all over it. I mean yeah, that, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. But it, it carries the baggage of that from that culture. It carries the baggage mm-hmm. from both cultures, if we're being honest. Yeah. From both sports mm-hmm. and, and nerd culture stuff. The exclusion and gatekeeping that's present in the game still today. Yep. That hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. But I do believe that it's not nearly as severe as it was. No, no, not 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 close to it. No, um, you know, because back in the day, it was like real, real bad. There's been a lot of normalization. There are a lot of mm-hmm. folks that we can that we can credit for setting good examples of a positive and helpful way to behave, and folks that are just parts of previously underrepresented groups achieving success in magic Mm -hmm. and normalizing that group's presence in it. I I can't express enough how much being involved in an LGS, how much I immediately saw when Melissa Detora top aided that PT. Oh yeah. That was big. Mm. That was huge. I can, I can't express how much immediately I saw women that had never played competitively before were showing up in competitive circles because Mm -hmm. They saw that there was a path forward. Yeah. They saw that it was it was possible. Like they could do it. Mm-hmm. Representation matters. And it's not because these oh, yeah. women players are worse. It's because of the, 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 oh my God, the shit they have to deal with. Oh yeah. Especially in like any nerd culture or anything that's adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's, oof. And get a little gross. <laughs> as somebody who's a big fan of sports culture, and as a person that's a big fan of women's sports culture, you mm-hmm. can I can see that we're in a different era right now. And I think where mm-hmm. magic specifically kind of hit a turning point is about the same time that women's athletics, I feel like, specifically kind of hit a big resurgence. And you can see mm-hmm. those things kind of lined up really nicely. So what I want to start off by talking about is what I deem the era of the asshole for magic. And that is the start of the game to uh, mid 2010s, like 2015 ish. Yeah, I think like once like 2016, I think was a big year for I think that that shift in not only the perception of the game of magic, but also the player base. Because like I, I I wasn't really in entrenched in the game in like 2016 2017, but I still like kept up with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you know 2018 I started playing more competitively. But I I even noticed like it was a little different because you know the asshole era from like the beginning until about that time. Like I didn't really like going to LGSs. I didn't like going to play Magic because it was just like there's a bunch of gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. You know 
you know, dickheads at every store. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that there's a lot of examples that we could find, like mm-hmm. high profile examples. Everybody listening has if, if you were playing during that period, you have personal. You examples. have a story. Yeah. Like you have personal examples from the era of the asshole. One of the big ones that comes to mind for me is the Osip Libetowitz coverage from Pierre Canali's Pro Tour win. It was uh, that was about 2005. Yeah, that was 2005. Mm -hmm. And Pierre Canali was playing Affinity. Mm -hmm. And I I can't express this enough how much of a literal child Pierre Canali was at this time. He was like 16, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And have you seen this video? There's still video coverage. I I don't think I have. No, it's well, first of all, People that have seen this video, I find it's a really good way to make a character judgment on them because there's a lot of people I know that find this video to be hilarious that I just kind of don't choose to spend a lot of time with anymore. Mm -hmm. And basically, it is Osip, who did win a Pro Tour, you know, some years before that, doing coverage and just absolutely brutally shit-talking one of the players as he's playing. That's... Not okay. A child. <laughs> Especially if you're doing coverage, yeah. He's doing co- like pro tour coverage and just shit talking at, I cannot express enough how much of a 17 year old boy this was that was just being just talked down to horribly. It was, it was awful. Definitely that kind of attitude of, I am good at this game. Therefore, I am a hard fact spitting truth teller. And I can behave in any way that I want. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just no, no filter. Like, hey, have you ever noticed that the people have pe- how people that are just like, hey, I'm just I just say it like it is. Never have anything nice or positive to say. No, it's always awful shit. No, it's, <laughs> it's almost like I just tell it like it is. Isn't actually how they behave. It's just I just want to say rude things and yep, <laughs> have an excuse for it. Because in my experience, the asshole savant is almost always full of shit Yep. because most of the asshole savants aren't that much of a savant. If we're being totally honest. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a front really. (laughs) Yeah. They're emulating the behavior that they have seen before. Like Mm -hmm. they have seen, and not everybody's seen Osip play, but in this, I'm going to stick with it. They've seen this and they emulate this because they say, Hey, that is how good players players that are good act Mm -hmm. you know if we're bringing it back to house uh at multiple points every one of his team his protégés have been called a mini house at one point because they do something that is very much a crime they're just like ah we're gonna put this patient under and then do a procedure on them they told us they didn't want us to do but it's gonna save their life and someone's like oh you're just a mini house and i'm like no they're a felon yes they're (laughs) actively hurting people just because they want to save them uh it's like okay it's it's not like you do a bad thing and then oh look it's a good thing it it, it makes it better i'm forgiven of my crimes it's like no you still did a crime and not even one of the good ones you know it doesn't matter if the person is saved or is better for it you still did something bad you hurt somebody mm-hmm. because you thought it was the right thing to do yeah it you doesn't you're not the person you're not the arbiter of Knoll ridge you are not uh, <laughs> the person who gets to decide what mm-hmm. what is objective truth and what is not kyle do you have any examples of that you can think of 
of times where you've experienced this? It was like 2005, six, like around that time, I would go to a local game store a lot and I would play with my friends. You know, I'm just a teenager. I only had like 20 bucks in my pocket. I'm just like, oh, I have all these cards and I'm going to play. It was just, it wasn't even an FNM. It was just like, hey, everybody come on this Saturday, we'll play. And there was always like a, you know, a gaggle of, you know, just old nerds that played magic since the beginning and were just assholes to literally every single new player <laughs> that came regardless of how old they were like it didn't matter it's like oh you're playing those cards you're so bad at this game i'm just like sir i am a 16 year old and i thought goblins were cool like why are you yelling at me mm-hmm. it's like yes okay you may be good at this game i don't know i like i just do this for fun i wasn't playing competitive or not like you know i'm just this dumb kid who like liked the art i wanted to be an artist i am an artist i got into magic because the ooh pretty pictures and there are a few things i think that have always done some work and have gotten better at combating this mm-hmm. uh, phenomenon of the asshole savant and one of them is if you have a player that you could comfortably say is higher on the totem pole, you can say is a very good player that you can say is a very good player tells them to shut the fuck up. That is a good way to handle something like that. And that's mm-hmm. basically was your only out for years and years and years. That was your only yeah. out was hoping that the better player, even if they were an asshole savant themselves, wasn't being an asshole at that moment was just mm-hmm. like, man, chill out, quit it. Yeah. I can tell you that I had a background not so much in magic because i spent the era of the asshole in magic being generally pretty fucking terrible at the game like did not play Same. it <laughs> at a very high level and wasn't doing that but i was definitely i feel like for a chunk of time the asshole savant in chess like i can tell you from the other side that you were a chess bad boy yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> just like that prevailing attitude comes from I do not have to work to maintain this social con- uh, contact with you mm-hmm. because you and your desire to get better at this game are already incentivized to make nice with me. I shouldn't have to expend any effort on that relationship because I'm already providing my half of the deal. I'm providing my value to this relationship just by mm-hmm. being better. Therefore, you should have to provide value in some other way and we know that's not a good way of looking at things no it's something that it's something that people grow out of unless they're people that still think Mm -hmm. that rick sanchez is cool when they're like 28 years old or above at that point i'm just like ooh, i'm gonna step back something's (laughs) going on here yeah (laughs) so what changed something changed we kind Mm -hmm. of uh, not uh we kind of isolated that change to being around 2015 well there's like two things that changed and one of them is magic specific and super easy and one of them is nebulous cultural and it's gonna Mm -hmm. take forever (laughs) let's just do the easy one first yeah the easy one easy one just get that out of the way magic (laughs) answer to what changed the answer is read duke (laughs) A hundred ten ten percent. Reed Duke. Good guy, Reed Duke. <laughs> Reed Duke drastically affected the expectations for the average competitive player on how your most successful players were going to conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, and he did that by setting the example. Now he hit the protein 
pro scene in 2010 and i've Mm -hmm. never ever heard anything negative but like it was about 2014 2015 that he ended up getting picking up a lot of steam because he was just like yeah he was on a tear yeah that dude has like 28 gp top eights or something absurd it's something crazy like that and like three wins as far as gps go yeah yeah. like he's he's top eighted a ton of pro tours Mm -hmm. uh he's he hasn't won any pro tours but this episode was recorded right before Reduke took down Pro Tour Phyrexia All Be One. So congratulations to Reduke. Just wanted to go ahead and put that out there that Reduke has one additional top eight and his first Pro Tour win. Congratulations again, Reed. Like, I mean, this is this is magic. The the best player oftentimes doesn't always win, but. Yeah. You know, you can really tell how good a magic player is with, with consistency. How many and, times they can repeatedly put up those results, right? Mm-hmm. And that was Reed Duke. And the entire time, he not only when is he one of the most polite magic players you'll play against, he's just one of the most polite and pleasant human beings you'll just meet. Like he is mm-hmm. just a nice person, and him being like a um, like quote unquote star for the game, like an all star. You know, like one of those like those big names your marquee in, like we talk players. about sports yeah your marquee players that was reduke and you know even more like recent you know from a couple uh, like i think like 2016 is really when this player came out but same same deal with andre mangucci like when he started going on a tear i think that was great for the game of magic as well as just a, from a personality standpoint too mm-hmm. you know it it's it shows more of the we're getting away from that like stink of like oh here's just like the gatekeeping nerds in this game like Mm -hmm. no if there's a ton of really great people that played this game yeah and like as like your your mangoes and your reeds ascended there Mm -hmm. were folks that kind of started phasing out like it was and Mm -hmm. like lost some of that your edgy bad boy travis woo kind of dropped off a little bit it's Nazi shit. It's always Nazi shit, isn't it's it? It's always Nazi shit. It's always like, Nazi and, shit. Yeah. But like, uh, you had your 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 Travis Wu. Uh, to some extent, there was that that Frank Lepore situation. Like uh, Conley Woods had that incident. Mm-hmm. But in general, that kind of moves me over to the 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 difficult answer to what changed. And mm-hmm. I think there was just a big shift culturally. Yeah, people lost patience with the asshole savant in general. It got old really quick. It got it got very very old. It's it wasn't funny. It wasn't it wasn't cool. And we're in a niche, right? Mm-hmm. Magic is a niche of nerd culture, which is a niche. Competitive magic is a niche of magic. Mm-hmm. So we're of an we're a niche within a niche within a niche. Go 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 up five levels if you'd like. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it would be pretty justified. The sheer numbers around any one thing is pretty small, but everyone's platform just kind of exploded around this time. Uh, social media had a big bump in like the the 2005 to 2010 era and then mm-hmm. had a huge, huge spike right around yeah. 2015. Real big. <laughs> Real big. And these things, this behavior that happened likely pretty often beforehand suddenly had much like a lot more eyes on it than it did five, mm-hmm. even five years before that. Like if you do something horrible in 2015, 
a lot more people are going to know about it than if you did something horrible in 2002. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just the way it is. People are more aware of things and not afraid to call people out. Yes. Yeah. People just got sick of it. Like, think of our think of our media examples from the top of this segment. Right. Uh, House was the show. House was sunset after there were a few attempted redemption arcs that were pretty pretty weird. eh. Didn't yeah, have a lot of uh, logical consistency and then just kind of mm-hmm. got doubled back on. Sherlock was unceremoniously ended. <laughs> after, Anthony has feelings about it. <laughs> after Stephen Moffat just gave everyone the middle finger, like actively in one of the episodes, just made fun <laughs> of the fan base for caring about the show, uh, caring about the show. Like he had actively said, hey, everything in this show matters. The answer to what happened in the last season finale was is already there it's in the text of the show you can figure it out and then in the series opener for the next season made fun of a bunch of people for speculating on on the thing he told them to speculate about like uh, upset (laughs) justin roiland of rick and morty basically abandoned his character and hoisted off the writing duties onto his staff in like the Mm mid-2010s who then really tried to soften the character a little bit frankly culturally we just outgrew the asshole savant yeah and your uh your accomplishments like aren't gonna save you mm-hmm. from just being a horrible person yep you know it's it's you know with sports it's still kind of the oh they can throw the ball real far or shoot it through a hoop real nice or you know like hit hit a ball real far with a baseball bat. Like we'll we'll forgive you know like all the unspeakable things. Like slow. Like I hope it gets better in sports, but especially like with media, their people are getting you know mm-hmm. having consequences for their actions, and mainly because everybody who like watches sports, watches media, consumes content are just like yeah, I I feel that disconnect if the people creating these things are dicks. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think sports is coming to a reckoning as well. Like, yeah, it, it's slowly, but surely. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I think that I honestly believe that if you want to know what any professional sports league is going to look like behaviorally, like how people are going to conduct themselves in five years, look at what the NBA and WNBA are doing. Cause they're just mm-hmm. ahead of the curve on everything. Yeah, I want you to think about what it took for us to call Michael Jordan a good guy. And now I want you to think about what it's very little, right? The standards Mm -hmm. were very low. Yeah, he basically just needed to, you know, not be Carl Malone, (laughs) not be Bill Lambeer. Love Bill Lambeer. That's the asshole savant that I still hold on to. (laughs) And I want you to compare that to the expectations for behavior that were placed on LeBron James coming out of high school. Yeah. Like a, a literal kid. Yeah. Literal coming child. Out of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that those sort of things, that modeling of you are at the top of your game, you are at the top of this. People are going to mm-hmm. look to you about how to behave. Are yeah. you going to be passionate, but consummate, or are you going to a smack smack a sharpie out of a kid's hand on your way to the locker room are you going to are you going to shake your opponent's hand at the end of the match or are you going to mm-hmm. chuck that zergo helm smasher across the table you're going to have a literal hissy fit and mm-hmm. act like a child or have some sportsmanship mm-hmm. yeah like and and that's the thing is that you can be great at what you're doing but if you're an ass you're not adding as much value as you think you are 
I promise. Mm -mm. Like you can be literally the best player in the world and you're not just by being around people. You're not generating as much. You're generating some value just by being good and being around and communicating in any way with Mm -hmm. people. But I like to think of it this way. You don't sharpen a knife with a sharper knife. Simply identifying the most skilled player available and tolerating their worst impulses, trying to learn by osmosis or whatever, isn't a good plan, not for you as a player who's trying to grow and not for the asshole savant who needs to, you know, grow outside of the game, probably. They need to Mm -hmm. learn that that behavior isn't acceptable and that it comes with consequences. Mm -hmm. And that would apply even if they were a savant in something that matters more than a children's card game, right? (laughs) So... What do I do if I want to get better besides just finding the best player or players available and putting up with whatever they spit out? I'm bringing back. You don't sharpen a knife with a sharper knife. You sharpen it with a whetstone at the risk of Mm -hmm. expanding this metaphor out. The thing about whetstones is that they kind of make shitty knives sometimes, right? Yeah, but it sharpens the knife. It sharpens the knife. Finding someone who Mm -hmm. knows the game and is willing to share that knowledge with you and help you grow as a player is way better than hitching your wagon to the first shitter that thinks top 32-ing an open means that they they don't have to pitch in for gas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Gives them like enough clout to be a dick. Yeah, yeah. That's my big thing is if you find yourself on the upper end skill level wise of your group that either... I don't care. It This doesn't, we're talking from a competitive perspective, but it doesn't have to be specific to that. I don't care if you're, it's your commander group or if it's, you know, your traveling RCQ crew, or if you're part of team RIW, right? If you find yourself on the upper end of that skill wise, and you feel genuinely that's where you are, you don't just have to win. Everybody below you just has to do better, just has to play better to improve. You have Mm -hmm. to play better. And you also have to set an example for those that are aspiring to get to where you are on how you conduct yourself, how you handle wins, how you handle losses, how you handle everything. Mm -hmm. You have a responsibility to be be a LeBron James or for those that we've gone to we've dipped into the basketball well a lot let's go back into media I don't know be be a Ron Swanson right from Parks and Rec be, be, be a Nick Offerman yeah just know? be like a good dude yeah. that you, good you feel person. strongly but you're at the at the end of the day you're looking after those and making sure you're setting a positive example mm-hmm. be a LeBron Swanson LeBron Swanson but um yeah like it's it's so crazy having this conversation and just how easily it re- like it resembles just professional sports because like you said people are like if you're the best player in your play group your commander pod your casual friends you know it doesn't matter people are gonna come to you for advice mm-hmm. and you know if they think you're a really good player if they know you're a really good player they're gonna want to get better no matter if it's competitive or casual and if you are a dick they're not gonna come to you for advice. They're not, they're not really going to spend as much time with you, whether you're friends or acquaintances. And, you know, back to the, the, the whetstone isn't a good knife, but it sharpens the knife. Not every player is going to be a good coach and not every coach is going to be a good player. Amen. Absolutely. You know, like some people are very, very good at playing a game, but mm-hmm. when, you know, it comes through like, hey, how do you do this? How do you get better? It's kind of like, I don't know. I just I just do this and it happens. And other people like they're not the greatest at the game, but they're they're able to coach people up, tell them, like, especially with magic. Like, hey, do this line, 
play like this in this situation, very helpful. They're not going to be like the greatest players, like have a lot of top eights or like really go far, but they're going to be able to help their friends, like, like step back, look at the bigger picture and, you know, coach people up. Cause just because you're good at a game doesn't mean you're going to have great advice. Derek motherfucking Fisher. <laughs> Does it like you, you might be very good at being a knife, but you might not also be very good at being a whetstone. Like I want you to mm-hmm. think about like, think about yellow hat. Like you've seen, we talk about, mm-hmm. I've talked about yellow yeah, hat yeah. a lot. Yeah, you've we've seen a lot about... of yellow hats, like play content. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that his strength is in describing his thought process. I think, no, no, he does very little of that. <laughs> no. So he might not be the best place to go if you are looking to kind of get your bearings, right? Mm-hmm. Versus a con- another content creator that comes to mind, the professor who doesn't have a lot of tournament success under his belt. But is probably, I'd say, is the perfect first step for somebody looking to try and kind of, even if their goal is to get into competitive play, get yourself through that first. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he makes great content. It's not for me. But he does make good content for explaining things, like literally teaching, you know, and he he uses it as that, a a way to teach beginners and even moderate players Mm -hmm. about things magic. Yes. And and that's one of those things that I really think that, I really think that also he has set like a pretty good example of how to conduct yourself. You see, you see even the best players are not modeling themselves after uh, Mike Long of the past, right? People aren't behaving mm-hmm. like that anymore. People are no. modeling themselves after and Andrea Mangucci, the professor, mm-hmm. Reed Duke, these folks. We don't have so many people thinking they're cool guys shadow the hedgehog as we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know how else to describe it besides cool I, I guy love shadow that the reference. Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. So if you find yourself listening to this and thinking, I know who this is. First of all, if it's me, I'm real sorry. Fucking tell me. (laughs) Anthony can take it. (laughs) Like, please let me know. I definitely try not to. I try to focus on how I conduct myself when I win, how I conduct myself when I lose. And everybody slips up. But yeah, just Mm -hmm. just keep that in mind. That's that's a big one. So think about who the asshole savant is in your life and how much deference you are showing to them. And then think, Mm -hmm. is the value that I'm getting out of this worth the bullshit I'm putting up with? Yeah. And it goes back to just relationships with friends too, outside. Like even if it's, you have people like this in your life that don't play magic or you don't see when you go to tournaments, is it worth me having a relationship with a person if they're just being a dick all the time or they're just, you know, being that stereotypical, like 80 sitcom bully where it's just like, okay, it's really not funny anymore. It's kind of exhausting. And I don't really want to deal with this yep. anymore. It's, it's one of those things like take care to not be the asshole savant. And mm-hmm. if it helps you, like it helped me, I, I look at things from a media lens a lot of the time. Yeah. Same. So am I acting like Gregory House, the guy that's too smart for rules? Mm. And if I am, fucking quit it. That show got canceled. Also, (laughs) if we're being totally honest, it wasn't that good. No. And most of the time when I watched it, it was reruns and it was background noise. And then I would pay attention sometimes. It's just like, wow, he kind of (laughs) sucks. I'm sorry, Lisa. (laughs) 
Lisa loves house. All right. Regional Championship 4, feeding into Pro Tour 4, with Regional Championship Qualifier Season 4 is coming up. It's going to be Pioneer, and it's going to run from April 22nd of 2023 to August 20th of 2023. The format that we're feeding into is Pioneer, and because of the recent change, all of those events are either going to be Pioneer or Limited if the TO doesn't like money. (laughs) <laughs> very true <laughs> as, i just like can you imagine as such <laughs> our focus for the episodes that we released during that time frame is going to be strongly pioneer format focused you know we've mm-hmm. mentioned pioneer before we've talked about it in a few situations we've mentioned standard we've talked about standard a little bit but mostly you and i have been focused on modern because in mm-hmm. the absence of an official season It's modern season. All modern all the time. Yeah. So with this new change, we are going to be focusing a little more on Pioneer. So I can tell you that coming into this Pioneer format, I have a bit of experience with Red Black, a bit of experience with Lotus Field, quite a bit of experience with Blue White, and uh, just an absurd amount of reps in with Mono Green. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, Kyle, I know you mostly through Red Black, but what other decks have you kind of gotten your hands on? For right now, it's I've been the Red Black mid-range stand. Like, I've I've loved that deck, and I've, I've grinded a lot with it. But I've played Grease Fang a little bit every iteration. Like, well, not every iteration. I haven't played Mardu. But, like, Esper and Abzan. Uh, I've played some Spirits here and there. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, with Pioneer, is just I played a lot of random decks, but I'd say like the ones I have the most reps with are like the Grease Fang variants okay. and obviously Red Black. And I've played Blue White not as much as you, but I've played against Blue White enough that you know I know. wait by <laughs> played by someone besides me. No, oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's you and 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 B Layer. That's the only people that like you know. I, I've played against playing blue white. <laughs> yeah, our friend, our friend, our friend Brandon Larry and I have played a lot of blue white control over the years. Ton of and blue white. We always, always have wildly different evaluations of things in there. Oh yeah, he is a big fan of high cost non-blue like tap out threats that can't get mystical mm-hmm. disputed. And I try to move as much interaction onto the stack as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I'm a big fan of Yorion and blue white, like the Greg orange Yorion list. And he likes the 60 card Kahira ones, you know, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what we want to talk about now in regards to this upcoming pioneer season. Like Formats. what's being played, you know, mm-hmm. how people play those archetypes, just deep dive into yeah. the, the format as a whole. The format as a whole, but also just keeping in mind that when everybody in the competitive magic scene is focused on one format, that format tends to move much more quickly towards a solved state, right? Mm-hmm. There's no more spice or, you know, mm-hmm. weird, like non-meta decks. It it really becomes just one cohesive thing where like you go to this event, you're going to see this. You're going to see this deck, this deck, this deck, this deck, mm-hmm. right? And in my mind, that's a good thing. I like solved formats. I like it mm-hmm. when there are as few surprises as possible. Generally speaking, the closer magic gets to chess, the happier I am and the better I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is why 
my preferred format is the format that is the smallest and always gets solved every season, that being mm-hmm. standard or mm-hmm. realistically, heuristically solved. <laughs> but as formats get closer to being solved, we get a better idea of what that format is actually going to look like. Which is nice from a tournament grinder perspective because mm-hmm. it's, you know, and modern... I do enjoy that format, but you know uh, we've we've seen in a couple events we've gone to. There's some wacky deck in most top eights or like top sixteens. Like modern, just one, exponentially larger than every. It's other just format. so larger. So You're it, gonna it run into weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Pioneer, even before the whole like this season's gonna be Pioneer, and you know, like we're saying, it'll be closer to a solid format. It, in a sense, was as close it as it was ever going to be, even now. Oh, I don't think so. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I think people took the path of least resistance and just focused on that because there was very little incentive to go deeper because how many Pioneer events were you going to play that month? Like, why would you dedicate 80 hours (laughs) of tuning to a list when you could... When you're not going to play the format. Yeah, you're going to play the format once and then maybe once again the next month. I think that we're going to see a lot of changes in Pioneer. I really do. I think that that format has been just kind of in stasis because... As evidenced by the fact that the most played deck, Red Black, has a bad mm-hmm. matchup to the second most played deck in Mono Green. And Mono Green has like a 40% win rate across the board. Like, Mono yeah. Green is underperforming, which means I don't think that's solved. If it were, people would either be not playing it and it wouldn't have the representation it has, or its win percentage would be higher. And I also don't think that in a solved format the most played deck loses to the second most played deck that's that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so i think that we're going to see some innovation in a lot of these lists i think we're going to see some new lists and i think some stuff is going to get cut i think like i think stuff is going to for lack of a better word rotate out i think my personal perspective is i do not see a world in which your skyclave apparition decks can survive in a more refined format yeah uh yeah honestly i think when a format like this becomes like a season where like this is the main focus i think people are gonna dust off some some decks like one in particular like I think Lotus Field is going to come back with a vengeance. <laughs> there is like, no for way sure. that, that the, what we have for that deck is its final form. No. There's no, no way. Somebody will figure out like other things to put into it to really fine tune it now that like, okay, it's pioneer season. Like I'm, I'm bringing the Lotus fields. We're, we're hitting strings. Like, yeah. And like, we're doing all that stuff. I <laughs> want you to think about the card death shadow, right? Death shadow exists. That's a very for good a, example. Yeah. A long, long time. And it wasn't until like modern turned into a PT format that enough skilled players cared to dedicate enough time and effort to that format to figure out that the death shadow deck is very good. Mm-hmm. Like that there was it, something it took, there. And it took on a bunch of different forms until it really like leveled out into what we know death shadow is as a deck. Now is more as like a, a, a mid rangey, like aggro type deck before it was just like suicide zoo or just like all the Phyrexian spells. And then, you know, try to win by turn three, and then it just turned into like Grixis Death Shadow, and then like Luris got printed, and oh god, you know, all, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, that's a good example of just like the evolution of a certain archetype mm-hmm. when you know a single format became a season. Like this is all we're playing, <laughs> uh, and I love that you use the term evolution there because evolution doesn't move randomly. Evolution mm-hmm. 
is a survival drive over time uh, exhibited by a species, right? Mm -hmm. If there is an evolved trait that a species has, then there was a need for that evolved trait at some point. Why does the stealthy Chameleon, which is how I'm choosing to pronounce chameleon, (laughs) have that behavior? That is an evolved trait. It got that because it needed it. Without Mm -hmm. a need, there is no evolutionary incentive for things to progress that way. Mm -hmm. Everybody is going to need to perform in this format at a much higher level than they need to perform in this format this past year. We're going to I have I really believe that we're going to see a lot of decks change. We're going to see a new deck or two and we're going to and possibly a new deck or two without any brand new cards being printed into it. Right. I think we're we, yeah. there's a good chance we see a new deck based on like I don't know some stupid Strixhaven rare since nobody knows what the fuck any of those cards do. Yeah, we might see like a new creativity deck. We might just see a mm-hmm. new like mid range deck. You know, like the the existing decks will like fine tune themselves or just like we said evolve into something else. Like or you know, or just go extinct. There's or, a yeah, reasonable or just chance. not be playable. <laughs> there's a reasonable chance that the whole format just shifts down by a turn. Mm-hmm. and gets one turn faster when people are motivated to kind of find that. And if that happens, I don't see a way mono green can shift down a turn. Like it's already going max speed. So yeah. if that does happen, if the format gets significant, if the tournament gets even a turn faster, I think mono green falls off entirely and becomes a terrible choice. But as we move towards being solved, we're going to figure out what the format actually looks like because right now all we've got is a format identity as i don't know there's some delve spells in here you're allowed to do those yeah thought is legal yeah like, you know you can do cool stuff with uh nick though like yeah. uh thalia is legal in this format now cool we got the fast lands ah, isn't that fun <laughs> we'll have a better idea of what the format actually looks like is it very linear is it non-linear is the interactivity really high or really low what type of things what type of decks are going to be there? Because right now we've got your super linear, low interactivity decks that exist like Lotus Field. Mm-hmm. We've got your extremely nonlinear, extremely interactive deck like Red Black. Mm-hmm. We've got your extremely linear, extremely high interaction deck in the Mono Blue Spirits list, right? Mm-hmm. They're represented now, but we kind of just have a, tasting platter we have like a little bit of each and we don't know what the format is actually going to look like and i think we'll get a better idea of where that goes because now the tournament grinders like us and the pros have to care Mm -hmm. they have to fine-tune things they have to play this format so they're gonna try and break it they're gonna Mm -hmm. try and play the best deck that they can you know and if that turns into like if it turns into combo winter or just a grindy mid-range fest we will see what pioneer is it's like you know it's full strength you know like it's Mm -hmm. final form (laughs) yep i really think that the format we're going to be looking at for this season is going to feel pretty different from what we're looking at now pretty quickly Mm -hmm. which segues us pretty nicely into (laughs) our guessing game segment for the night which is going to be future blight now just as a reminder the future site future blight guessing game we do is where kyle and i each think of a card with some specific criteria about what we're guessing about. And we give a few cryptic hints. And if if we need to, we can ask each other yes or no questions to kind of 
try and guess what the card that we're thinking of is. In this situation, we've each picked a card from the Pioneer format because it's Future Blight. We're being negative. Uh, we've be each shitty. picked a card from the we're being <laughs> shitty about it. We've each picked a card from the Pioneer format that we think will not see as much success once the Pioneer format starts to kind of settle down and figure out its identity. I've got one. Kyle, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. This is a creature card. Ew, creatures. And what I have to say about it is, oh my God, look at them legs. (laughs) What is its mana value? (laughs) Its mana value is two black black. Look at them legs. Two black black. Was it printed recently? Fairly recently, yes. It is currently in standard. Is it a four or five? Yes. Is it Sheoldred? Yes, it is. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) I... I think that that is a card that is extremely powerful, but it is one of those cards that feels very extremely powerful on just a just raw power level. It's rate and it just does something that's always going to be good. And those things are really powerful in unsolved formats, things that just do really, really well right out of the gate and are just immediately impactful and don't need you don't need to know what your opponent is playing in order for Shieldred to be impactful to the game, right? Yeah. You don't you don't need to know a lot about what's going on. The only thing you really need to know is how hard is this to remove? And as a four or five, it's pretty damn good. I think that Shieldred, I won't say will get will become less contextually powerful. I just believe that a lot of decks that are casting Shieldred will find something more impactful to either their if it ends up being linear, their linear game plan. Because Shieldred doesn't really do super well in a linear plan, right? Unless you're like really low to the ground, like this black-based aggro deck. And it doesn't impact the board. It just hits life totals besides being a four mana four five with death touch. Um, So that's not always the most impactful for non-linear decks. I think that it's there because on rate, it's far and above better than everything else at at that mana cost. It's so much better than everything else. I think that Shieldred gets replaced in red black. And I think she gets replaced with something that we think is fucking stupid. Now I think she gets replaced with like an extinction event or some like tech. I, Oh, I hate that. I agree with you. Cause I I love Shieldred so much, but you're probably right. Oh my God. Look at them legs. (laughs) Look at them legs. Shieldred real thick (laughs) and long. (laughs) actually she's just a giant (laughs) just a giant giant kafka-esque monster oh man you know like and you're you're 100 percent right where shieldred right now in pioneer where it's not really a solved format she's just a very powerful card Mm -hmm. and you know going forward like she'll always just be a very powerful card like that won't change but like you said we'll probably just put in some tech for the actual meta that's happening. Like whatever the top five decks are like, we're like red black is weak to like these two to three decks. Like you have to play this and you have to cut Shieldred for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it pains me to say that because I love, I love her. She's my girl, but you know, we, we might have to put extinction vent in the main, in the main deck going forward or main deck dampening spheres. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like something, something like that. Like, can you imagine in a world where there's this huge revelation in regards to, in, in regards to like Lotus field combo, 
mm. and everybody needs to main deck dampening spheres. Like it's not unheard of. Hogak happened, right? Like you had to main deck hate cards like that. Imagine that and imagine red black. And what does red black cut for those dampening spheres? It cuts I the shieldred. Yeah, shieldred because you, you can't get rid of all the other cards because they're just too, too impactful. And especially with red black, people look at it as a mid range deck. But when you look at it, you're like, yeah, it's mid range. But when you play it, you should be like, I'm this is an aggro deck. You win most of the games, you start out with Blood Tithe with another blood tithe or a graveyard trespasser and just curve out. If you mm-hmm. play a if play a bunch of cards on rate and have removal to back it up and just turn them sideways, you will win most of your games with mm-hmm. that deck. If you think like it's a derpy mid-range deck and try to like one for one people, you're probably going to lose. You need to play your creatures and turn them sideways and then mm-hmm. remove things you have to. Yeah, it is it is uh threats versus disruption model. Yep. Like you really want to be playing playing that Delver game. Oh yeah. with with red black which is not immediately it's not immediately something you see right Mm -hmm. Um, which is why i find it so frustrating when people put like invoke despairs and shit into their red black decks i'm like oh great you win the games you were already going to win faster and lose the games that you were already going to lose faster this doesn't help you when you're losing Mm -hmm. (laughs) in any way no (laughs) all right what do you have for me all right for me it's a four mana red enchantment uh is it fires of invention yes (laughs) Ooh, say more words explain this is a very fringe card as far as the pioneer metagame goes and every time i've played against this or seen people play it i just think there are better things you can do because every fire of fires of invention now like for right now, I might be proven wrong and there might be a really good fires of invention deck moving forward. But every single one I've seen is just like a three to four to five color, mm-hmm. like pile of cards. Your are like, oh, incarnation decks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I can play like two really big creatures for free. It's like, okay, that's all you're going to do. And you can only do things at sorcery speed. So it's kind of like. Eh. yeah i personally think that that enigmatic incarnation deck is gonna be one of the first things that fall off because Mm -hmm. basically what that car what that deck does is it says hey i'm just gonna do something very powerful and they like to think that they're a (laughs) toolbox deck they're not but they're not all of their tools do the same fucking thing they're also anthony creature (laughs) great anthony they play omnath in this deck yeah, that card's bad in Pioneer. We've said that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I but think yeah, that like... I think that these decks that are just saying, "Hey, all of my individual cards are individually powerful." As a format gets more solved, that sort of thing gets worse. We've talked a lot about sports, sports, sporks. We've talked a lot about sports tonight. No, it's sports tonight. And, uh, you know, you're excited about the WNBA season with your team. Uh, hey, we're going into the trade deadline yeah. for NHL. I'm, 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 I'm in it. I'm super excited. I'm visiting <laughs> family in Arizona in March. I get to go to a few hockey games. Uh, craziness is already happening, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fucking ready for the NHL playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Bro- Brooklyn, the men's side, they are imploding. Kevin yes. Durant, Kevin Durant is gone. He's off to he's off to Phoenix. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the, the yeah. So the like, next chapter. 
I was very I was very hyped about uh Brooklyn last season and then this season. And now the same owner, Joe Sai, has decided that he's gonna just he try done. building a super team in the <laughs> WNBA as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, cool. Let's see that. I bet you I bet you I bet you it goes better. I bet you it goes better on the women's side. Yeah. I bet you it does. I bet you I I'm going to have to podcast yeah. at some point from Brooklyn during the finals. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't doubt finals. it. Listen, Anthony I have been, Gowen. <laughs> I've been a New York Liberty fan since 1997. And I, they still have not won a title. And you best motherfucking believe that when they do, I'm going to be there. We'll be on Anthony watch. <laughs> <laughs> Signing off from Lexington. I'm Kyle. I'm Anthony. And until next week, do us a favor. Stay trashy, my friends. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.